What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Tuesday, July 5th, which means that we haven't posted an episode in two full weeks. This is the longest drought that we've gone through since we started season two, which is crazy to believe, and it's a little bit sad, but we've just had a lot of things going on. We, we had vacation, we've had getting used to new jobs and everything like that. I got a new job, and Matt's kind of in and out of places of, in terms of like location of where he works and everything, so it's just been tough to to get on here and, and continue the grind, but the grind continues no matter what, because today we are back with another episode. Today's obviously not going to be too much of a, of a recency type episode. It's going to be more of kind of like an overall episode where we, we're going to give an overview of NBA free agency. We're going to give a little topic on college football. USC and UCLA announced that they're going to move from Pac-12 to the Big Ten. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to be talking about more live tour and how it compares to the NCAA. And then we're going to have a little fun segment at the end that sums up how sports fans feel right now with only baseball going on. So that's going to be about it. We're not going to talk about NHL because I mean, we haven't had an episode since the NHL finals or the Stanley cup finals ended, but you guys have probably heard all you need to hear on that. And we're happy that the avalanche won. good for them. Yippee. All right, Matt, how are you? We're back. That's right. Um, yes, as Hayden outlined very, uh, very astutely, we both had a lot of stuff going on recently. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much been like every every Tuesday and every weekend, one of us texts each other and is like, all right, let's do it. And then the other person's like, oh, no, I can't do it today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they're like, okay, well, let's do it tomorrow. And then it's like the other person gets busy. It's just a lot of stuff. But, but that's how it is kind of during the summer, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody out there listening, like, it's the middle of summer for you. You got a lot of stuff going on, whether you're, you know, you're, you're on your break from school and you're going on summer trips or, or you're, you got your summer job starting up, whatever it may be. And on the other hand, you're working, you're kind of grinding it out during the summer, but you got vacations planned. You got stuff going on. You, you got moving pieces. So that's why we've been a little bit, uh, a little bit AWOL for the past couple of weeks here. And also, as Hayden mentioned too, there's not, there's not a ton of sports going on right now right so that's kind of the other main thing is like we're not you know it's not there's not a ton to to be like oh my gosh we have to catch up on this so we have to do a podcast sit down and do it right now yeah uh there was kind of a, just a lot of stuff that's like okay we can kind of summarize what's been happening in these sports because things aren't being played right now there's no balls that are being scored where uh you know it's, it's kind of just a lot of drama we're talking about the the updates in in when the changes in what are is happening throughout a lot of these major sports however i will say that just based on everything the last week basically with with uh the nba you know free agency and all that stuff it's it that has really grabbed a lot of headlines and yeah we're gonna kind of gonna go through our top three or four you know kind of kind of transactions free agency stuff you know traders players being traded being signed whatever um kind of give our thoughts on it um and that's gonna start right now yeah there you go and matt kind of said it himself but you know, this is kind of the the best time to have a drought. Like he said, it's just kind of we've been we've been gone for two weeks, but again, we haven't really missed much. There's been Wimbledon baseball and a little bit of golf and a little bit of Formula One. But again, not much has happened in terms of huge headlines that you're going to see. So, yeah, let's head right into NBA free agency here. So NBA free, free agency has hit and we've got a, quite a bit to talk about. Now we're going to kind of go over. Four main points here, and honestly, I mean, some of them probably won't even really take that long to talk about. It's just kind of going over how how we see it panning out. But the first one here that I'm going to kind of let Matt talk about first is about the Nets. So between last year and right now, the Nets have had arguably the worst fall apart job that we've ever seen in the NBA, you know, within this time frame, within this one year time frame. And so let's talk about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, what we think is going to happen. There's a lot of things. I've seen so many things about Kevin Durant, so many destinations that he might land in and who's going to give what for him. And let me just say the teams are, well, the Nets are expecting a lot. They are expecting an insane amount for Kevin Durant. I've The, the, the general consensus for the Nets is basically – 
that they want an all-star plus at least three first-round picks and then probably a couple second-round picks in there too. So that's where that's where their head is at. I don't if I'm a team out there, I don't really know, dude. Like if if I'm going to send an all-star over and then three first-round picks, I mean that's dude, Kevin Durant like yeah, he's a good he's a good player, but I don't know. He's he's getting a little old and I think the Nets are asking a little bit too much, but I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to talk about both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving if he wants to put in some Kyrie Irving stuff in there. I know he's had a he's had an opinion on Kyrie Irving and him wanting to go to the Lakers and everything like that, so I'll let him take it away here. Well, it's mainly, I just kind of want to overview, I guess, the whole last week, really, which started pretty much last Monday, a week ago, with Kyrie Irving kind of being all over social media and just kind of saying, like, well, um... I don't really know about this, you know, I'm, I'm kind of might go my own way, I might do, and so it's all over Twitter, people are going crazy, it's like, Kyrie wants out, you know, what's, where is he going to go, he blew up every, he's blown up every team that he's been to so far, and it's like, what's the next move from here, so who knows, right, and so then that, that carried on for like a day and a half, and then two days later on Wednesday, uh, it it turns out, oh, breaking news, Kyrie Irving has opted into his, to his player option and he's going to play again for the Nets next year and whatever, right? All that that entails, which again is, you know, essentially a bunch of kind of nothing because they got made to the playoffs this year and got swept by the Celtics. So who knows if that's even actually a good thing, right? Second of all, you have Kevin Durant. So he's kind of the other piece of this puzzle. And that's what people were saying kind of throughout this whole thing with Kyrie was like, what, what is Kevin Durant going to do? What, like what's happening on his side of the, uh, his side of the ball in terms of like, whether he wants to be traded, whether he wants to stay with the Nets, whether he, you know, clearly like things haven't worked out the way he wanted them to, but he has come out so many times, time and time again, and stuck his neck out for Kyrie because he's such a good player and they love to be together, whatever it may be, right? And so that's kind of where you're at with Kevin Durant now is like, wait, he wants to be traded. Okay, what's Kevin Durant going to do? Well, no, he doesn't want to be traded. Kyrie Irving's going to stay. He opted into his contract. Okay, well, Kevin Durant, what is he going to do now, right? And then two days later, we get the bombshell news that Kevin Durant is requesting a trade. So so it's like, what's going on with this Nets organization? And Hayden kind of outlined that before, basically saying this whole thing is, has really blown up in their faces. But we could, we knew, we all knew, even before any of this trade news, that it was kind of a failure from the start. And I mean, we've talked about this in former podcasts as well. You can go back and listen to that. Essentially, just saying like. This was kind of doomed from the start, especially when you get a 33-year-old James Harden in there. You sign him to a six-year deal, and he gets there, and all the guys are hurt, and he's the only one playing for the team. And then he doesn't want to play for them anymore. You know, it's just this whole, this whole, this whole scenario. And then, I, I mean, I don't even want to mention it. I feel scared to mention it at this point. But who's the other cat on this team who is still there? But like, basically, the only piece left. It's Ben Simmons, and he hasn't played a minute of basketball in over two years now. So like, there's just so much going on in this, you know, in this, t- in and around this team, to where you know now everyone's saying, well, because Kevin Durant's requesting a trade, well, then Kyrie Irving's going to go with him, or 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 they're going to deal Kyrie Irving as well, and it's just like. Who, who knows? But I think at this point, it's kind of boiled down to the fact that, well, obviously, KD wants to tr- wants to be traded. He, he's going to go to a different team, right? Kyrie Irving has opted into his to his player option, but again, that can all be redone based on the way that the general managers and all the people who work with the salary cap and all that stuff, that can work itself out. They can kind of get that figured out, but what they really need to figure out is who is going to play for this team next year because they don't have anybody, especially if they're going to trade away two of their cornerstone pieces and, and, you know, arguably two of the best players in the NBA right now, right? So there's a lot going on here that we kind of still have to figure out, and I don't think it'll be really figured out, you know, super soon, Um, but I think that that's kind of the biggest question is, like, if Kevin Durant goes somewhere, is Kyrie Irving also going to go to that same place? And we've seen a lot recently come out about how the Lakers are really, really pushing to, to, to get Kyrie Irving. And you've heard some buzz about you know KD going to the Warriors I don't know if he's gonna run it back with the Warriors. like I feel like it, it's one of those things for KD where like he he's so he's so in his own head about the, all the social media stuff and he's always checking Twitter to see who's gonna be hating on him and he responds to people and he's so like he's he's I, I don't know and and I don't I don't mean to like call him insensitive or anything but like or no sorry sorry I don't mean to call him too sensitive because he really does pay too much attention to to just random people who don't have any impact on like what his future is going to be how he's going to play any of that stuff yet he still you know takes time out of his day to check random people and and to respond to them on twitter it's like that you don't need to be doing this but either way i think the major point here is like if one of them goes 
do both of them go? And if both of them go, do they go to the same place? I don't think so. At this point, and if you're in the Nets, I mean, you're right. If this, if both of these teams leave, and you're the Nets, you you would need to get a, a big haul for for both of them. As Hayden pointed out before, you know, a lot of picks, you know, all star caliber players, because that's what you're giving up, right? But here's the cool thing: is if you're going to trade them to different teams, you're essentially going to get a, a, an equal haul from each of the teams that you trade them to instead of trading them both to the same team and basically just mortgaging your entire future on whatever assets that the the team you're trading them to has just for it to kind of maybe work out with a bunch of first round picks but whoever knows because at the end of the day like getting you know three first round picks for Kevin Durant there's a such a high likelihood that none of those first round picks are going to turn into anything close to half of what Kevin Durant is. So that's kind of the thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Nets need to blow this up anyway. It's kind of been known for the past couple of years here now, and that's probably what's going to happen for the Nets. Yeah, the, I think the Nets are kind of just allergic to winning. I know that when, well, basically when I was younger, when I used to play 2K and everything like that on, on the Xbox, I would never pick them. I, I never even really knew who the Nets were. And I would never try to, you know, be the Nets in 2K because they were always so bad. Like, they've been bad for as long as I can remember. And then this was kind of their, this, well, not kind of, this was their chance, you know, getting Kyrie, uh, KD, and Harden all on the same team. And yeah, it just absolutely blew up in their face. I think Matt covered most of it in terms of where we think KD is going to go. I've, I've seen a couple, I guess, uh, blueprints for, for trades for KD. And I mean, it, it's looking like, you know, if he goes to the if he goes to the Heat, the Heat are gonna have to give uh, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero. They're gonna have to give they're gonna have to give like a couple more guys and then three first round picks. And it's like, dude, if you're the Heat, the Heat are good right now, right? That they basically just need an extra star. But I don't know if if giving those guys up for KD is where you want to go with that. If if I'm the Heat, I don't know it. I I think we should probably we can maybe kind of break down some other um some other blueprints for trades in the future here because we won't have much to talk about until football starts but yeah we're we're not going to go too in depth for you know in terms of layouts of trades for KD hopefully he doesn't get traded or anything like that uh you know soon because we want to talk about it more in depth or at least I do but yeah from what I've seen I think the Nets are requesting way too much for KD. And it's kind of like Deshaun Watson. I think it was kind of the same thing with him. You could argue that it's different because Deshaun Watson is a quarterback and he's so important to an organization. But again, he you know he hadn't had all those lawsuits settled yet. And he was just kind of like, this was back when he wasn't on the Browns yet. And he was, you know, being traded around and everything like that or was looking for a place to be traded. And teams and well the the Texans were asking for three first rounders and a star player or something like that or like at least th- three three first rounders and a couple second rounders I don't know it's it's just you're sacrificing a lot of your future for one player and it seems a little bit fishy but we're going to move on to the next guy here which is DeJounte Murray who goes to the Hawks and I honestly I think this is a great trade now I'm going to tell you right now that DeJounte Murray has well He's probably one of the most underrated players in the NBA right now. You don't really hear about him because he's on the Spurs and the Spurs suck. But let me just tell you that every every season... So he got drafted in 2016, I believe. And every season that he's been healthy for more than half the season, which has been... I think it's been four of the past six seasons. Every season that he's been healthy for... Or that he's played more than half the games. Which, speaking of, he's played a consistent... 66, 67, and 68 games for the past three years. His minutes per game have increased on average each year. His points per game have increased. His field goal percentage has pretty much increased every single year. Um, His three-point percentage has dipped a little bit, but his rebounds, assists, steals, everything has increased on average. And last year, I mean, he went off. He was averaging 21 points per game. Uh, It was averaging eight rebounds per game, nine assists and two steals per game. That's, that's really, I mean, that's almost a triple double. If you think about it, you you give him two more rebounds and one more assist. He's averaging a triple double, which we've really only seen Russell Westbrook do ever. So yeah, that's uh that, that's just a little rundown on him and why he is a really important player. I think that like in terms of what the Hawks need, I think he fits in great. They, you know, they have Trey young. And if you put, We've said it so many times on this podcast. If you put a star with a star kind of in, in, in the same position, 
they're not going to do that well. But DeJounte Murray is kind of that, you know, lengthy guy that can get to the basket and finish well. And he, I think he's going to complement Trey Young really well. And that's exactly what they need. I mean, we've seen the Hawks, they've gotten to the playoffs consistently and they can't, they just can't really get past that first or second round. But I, th- I think, you know, now with John, with DeJounte Murray, they're definitely going to be up there, at least in the mix. Well, the thing with the Hawks is they got to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago, right? I mean, you remember that the season that the that the Bucks won the championship, the Bucks beat the Hawks in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? And and so that was kind of their big like, hey, we're here moment. Except really, that was just another kind of. I, I mean, I think it was kind of fluky how they got there. Did they deserve to be there? Oh, okay, cool. They, you know, I think they won two games against the Bucks. Still, you know, put up a good performance. But it was really kind of okay. What are they going to do when they come into this season, the twenty twenty one, you know, into twenty twenty two season? And they started out really well, and then they just kind of didn't do that well. Uh, you know, basically f- from from that point on, um, they, they were lucky to get in the playoffs this year, and they had they basically had to win a play-in game just to get there. They play the Heat, and I think they got swept by the Heat, or at least, you know, maybe, I think, no, they won one game. So they got beat 4-1 by the Heat. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even close. And you're thinking, well, what happened to this team who made the Eastern Conference Finals just last year, and now they're the eighth seed and getting blown out in the first round of the playoffs? I don't really know what happened, because it was pretty much the same, you know, the, the, the same guys. But what they, I think they do, what we do know, and what I think the Hawks ended up realizing here, is that they need you know, more, more players, because I think what happened, what ended up happening and Hayden, you know, really kind of mentioned this and it's, it's extremely true is that Trey Young just ended up having to do everything for this team. Now, is that partly, you know, Trey Young's fault for just kind of being a ball hog and, and not really getting his other team members involved? Or is that like him just, you know, really needing to always have the ball because nobody else can kind of, you know, do things the way that he does. And if he doesn't have the ball, they don't have very much offense. And I think that DeJounte Murray, is exactly as Hayden said, is kind of the perfect fit for this team because he's a great defense. He was nominated for, for for Defensive Player of the Year, I think two years ago. Yeah, two years ago or something like that. And and he was the star offensive player on the on the Spurs last year. So it's like you get a guy who is an all-around great talent, as Hayden mentioned, too. He's, you know, kind of come on the scene and, and been, been a really underrated NBA all-star, really, um, you know, in, in especially with his last year in San Antonio. So you get a player like that who is defensively focused but can also really you know help you on the offensive end and if he's playing off Trey Young you know that's a pretty easy job for a lot of people especially you know, the, with the caveat being if Trey Young is willing to share the ball if he's if he's going to give up the ball you know and, and kind of let DeJounte Murray bring it up sometimes or or you know create on you know create offense whatever it be you know creating shots for himself or creating shots for his teammates that's a good option, right? I mean, that, that that's a that's a kind of a you know a good blueprint for a successful uh, you know offense and defense kind of workaround. There, you still have they did, they gave up Danilo Gallinari to the to the Spurs, and he was kind of an he was kind of a three point sharpshooter. He was good, I think, in points, but like he's not he's not he's kind of an old kind of more washed up guy at this point too so I think you're really giving away and they gave up picks too obviously but I mean again they're, they're kind of you know if you have Trey Young in his prime right now and you have you know you still have DeAndre Hunter you still have Clint Capella all these guys who are kind of cornerstone pieces you still have Bogdanovich too so it's like all these guys you know adding DeJounte Murray to a team like this I think is a I think it's a good move for the Hawks so we'll see hopefully they can kind of build on getting an eight seed after you know making to the Eastern Conference Finals and actually do do a little bit better in the regular season next year um, to kind of mount for a playoff push but but I think this is kind of what they had to do, and I think they they made the right move in order to you know kind of fit what they're trying to do going forward here. Yeah, Matt put it perfectly, and he said that there was either two situations with Trey Young, either he was forced to keep the ball all the time because the rest of his team couldn't really do it without him, or he was just being a ball hog. Which I used to when he was at Oklahoma in college, I used to think that he was the biggest ball hog ever, and so did everybody. I mean, a lot of people kind of pointed it out and said, well, he needs to pass the ball more. And I actually thought that he was going to be a bust in the NBA. When he first came in as a rookie and got to the Hawks, I was like, nah, dude, Trey Young's going to be a bust. There's no way he's going to be good. I was a huge Trey Young hater. I think the his whole like villain-type attitude and his whole aura of being the villain when he's playing away is, is really cool. I think that's one of the coldest things in sports, but... Other than that, I don't know. I, th- I think he still has – he's definitely one of the stars of the league. But, again, if you give him a guy like DeJounte Murray, that's exactly what you need in order to see if he's actually going to be your guy to kind of, you know, I guess run a dynasty. I get you know, It's crazy saying the Hawks are going to run a dynasty, which they probably won't. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, that's, that's everybody's goal in the league. And so 
if you give a guy like DeJounte Murray to the Hawks, that's exactly what you want to see for Trey Young um, in terms of giving him the parts around him that he can that he can work with best. So moving on to the third one, we've got Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves. I think he signed some. I think it's a max contract. I I, I didn't know exactly, but I know that it was over two hundred million. And I'll give you this stat right now: the Timberwolves are well. There's only been three, I think, three centers ever to be given over a $200 million contract in total, and the Timberwolves have given two of those. So three in in, in NBA history, and the Timberwolves have given two of those, one to Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, and then this second one to Rudy Gobert. I don't know. I'm going to give my thoughts on it after Matt goes ahead and and, and talks about it himself. But Matt, go ahead. I really love this. I think that a guy like Rudy Gobert is exactly what the Timberwolves need in order to kind of complete with the team, the run, what they're building there in Minnesota. Because you think about it, right, they played, you know, they, they first round of the playoffs, you're playing the Grizzlies. Okay, you're the seventh seed, Grizzlies are the two seed, you're probably going to go down. They they had the series tied 2-2. The Grizzlies obviously came back and won the, you know, won the series 4-2. But we saw flashes of what this Timberwolves team, team can be because you have Anthony Edwards, who is a baller you have d'angelo russell who is you know kind of face scrutiny in the past but i think kind of being the number two on a goodish team is really kind of where he he best shines and then you have carl anthony towns who was supposed to be you know this this unicorn like player that you know best to do it since anthony davis and he really hasn't been now yes he can shoot threes he won the three-point contest he's the best you know according to him the best big man shooter in the league that's fine but you saw a lot of times, especially near the end of the season and specifically in the playoffs, times when he was supposed to be at the rim, going to the basket, you know, defending against people who he should be able to, and he kind of just looked scared. He looked a little bit soft. And so he came under a lot of fire for that and kind of how he, you know, how how he um you know, how he was reacting and, and playing in those moments when he could have stepped or he should have stepped up and he really wasn't able to. And, and now you have Rudy Gobert, who, like, that's all this guy does, right? I mean, this, you, you get to the point where in Utah it was like he's kind of a liability on the offensive end, but you have to get him his touches just because he's such a, a ferocious defender. And so to a certain extent that's going to carry over to Minnesota, but you have so much more offensive talent. Well, I would say you have equal offensive talent as you did in Utah, but Utah was, it was great in the regular season for a couple years and then – that was kind of it, right? But but now with this Minnesota team, like you're really building towards something, and I think exactly what they needed is exactly what Rudy Gobert is going to give them, which is a an, an automatic rim protector who is, you know, I mean, he's Defensive Player of the Year, I think, three times. He's a six-time NBA All-Star. He's been All-NBA three times. Like, this guy has, has a resume, you know, if, if he just had basically one NBA championship, he's probably going to the Hall of Fame, right? Like, Utah might even retire this guy's jersey. So, he he's a great player, I think, that, you know, kind of underestimated just because of how good he is defensively and how much he can really bring a team that way. But based on all of that said, I think that that's kind of the one missing piece for this Timberwolves team who has a great young core and can also learn from a guy who's very experienced uh, like Rudy Gobert is as well. And so, you know, I don't think he's too old. I think he's kind of right in his prime there. He's, he's, he's you know, kind of spending the, the latter part of his career at a place where they're really trying to build a championship level team and they have the big three pieces that they already need. The one piece they ha- they didn't have was something they were going to probably rely on Carlington Towns to do, but now you can kind of let Carlington Towns do whatever he wants because you have a guaranteed rim protector in Rudy Gobert. So I like this trade for the Timberwolves, and and I think that you know they they're they're doing everything right at this point. Um, you know their 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 draft picks have cashed in. Uh, the players that they you know the players that they've gotten like D'Angelo Russell, who was a little bit shaky for the past you know basically you know better part of his whole career, is now kind of you know finding his space and really playing well. Now I, I think it's all looking for the Timberwolves based on this trade. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not as high on it as as Matt is. I know that Rudy Gobert is very underrated and he kind of doesn't get a lot of the a lot of the praise that he de- that he deserves in terms of being such a good defensive player, probably one of the best defensive players of all time, and he that I mean that's completely right. I think he's I mean he's won he's won defensive player of the year at least 3 times. I don't know. I don't know exactly how many, but he's one of I think four players. That's one defensive player of the year, three or more times. Um, or maybe maybe there's a couple other. There, maybe there's more players. But I I saw a stat on the on ESPN the other day that said that he was one of the only players to ever win it three plus times, which is great. But I think that in terms of the, the amount of money that they're paying him, I don't know if he's 
that worth it. I know the Jazz, I think the Jazz also paid him, they, they paid him like $180 million or something like that. Uh, or his contract was worth $180 million, I think, with the Jazz, and it was over four or five years before this, um, before trading him. But now, I mean, yeah, he's he signed a $200 million-plus contract, and so that kind of puts him up there with the big dogs, and I don't know I don't know how I like it. You know, they're paying Carl Anthony Towns all this money, too. It's just it's a lot of money to spend on two big guys, and that's, again, it's, it is what it is, and that's, you know, that's how they're doing things in Minnesota, which... Matt put it perfectly in terms of the draft picks working out there. I mean, I I feel like in terms of draft picks over the past few years, their draft picks have have worked out some of the you know some of the best. I think in in terms of comparing it to the rest of the league. But I think that paying two guy two big guys two hundred million plus, um, you know, at the same time is 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 a little bit it's a little bit shaky there. I don't know. They're two different players, that's for sure. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns obviously is a is a better offensive player regarded as a better offensive player than he is a defensive player and Rudy Gobert is the opposite. You know, he's he's a better defensive player than he is offensive player. But he did average I think 15 points last season. He averaged, you know, 14 rebounds. So the rebounds and the and the blocks and everything like that aren't going to be a question in in Minnesota. I think that's definitely going to add a a great piece to their to their team, but I just think that the amount that they paid for him is 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 a, is a little bit much. But I I do want to say that the Timberwolves did a great job of trading around their star players. So basically, like they didn't have to give up a guy like a guy like Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell or even Carl Anthony Towns. I mean that that probably wouldn't have happened, but they didn't have to give up one of their crazy stars in order to get. I think the best player that they, that they gave up was Patrick Beverly, and I mean you could argue that Patrick Beverly is is a really good defender, but he's not. I don't know. He's not really going to lead you, or he's not going to really be a big part of a championship team, in my opinion, going forward. So, I think that it it was a great job by the the Timberwolves front office by kind of giving the Jazz this concrete trade and saying, okay, well we're going to give you a, a you know, four kind of mediocre guys, and then we're going to give you four first round picks. But we've got a lot of stars right now that we can work with, and that they're definitely a team that can make the argument of, okay, well, we want to win now. We've got the team to do it now. Screw the first round picks in the future. Um, you know, let's 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 go out and get a guy like Rudy Gobert. So I think that was it. it was an okay trade, in my opinion, um, in terms of the Timberwolves getting a guy that. That that is worth it. I just think that two hundred million is a little bit, a little bit over the top. But moving on to our last guy here, Matt can explain kind of the bat the background story of this. He explained it to me before, actually when we were on vacation, and I don't really remember most of it. So I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to talk about John Wall going to the Clippers. Yeah, well, basically John Wall is is a uh, he, he's basically robbing a bank for all this free money that he's getting um, over the past couple of years. So basically, he signed a two year deal with the, he was still with the Wizards, right? He, then he signed a two year deal with the Rockets two years ago, and it was like two years for eighty million dollars, something you know, something crazy, whatever. But that was again still when James Harden was with the Rockets, right? So they were trying to build something. Okay, cool. I think Chris Paul might have been there too. I don't even remember, but it was like they were trying to build something. Got it. Cool. John Wall, awesome, right? But then he got hurt. And he's like, all right, whatever, like, you know, that's fine. He's probably not going to be as good as he was before, but hey, who knows? We still have him. He's cool. Okay, all right, fine. Well, what essentially happened was he he got hurt and then kind of couldn't really play for the first entire season. He was with the Rockets, right? And then, so, and, but, you know, he signed the contract, so he made like, like you know, $40 million that year. Last year... Right, they're trying. They're basically like, all right, well, we traded away James Harden, we traded away Chris Paul. That whole you know era of you know the James Harden, Daryl Morey thing is is now done for. So we kind of got to start from scratch here. Let's let's rebuild, right? So they kind of blew up the whole thing. You you know you trade all your assets away, you got a bunch of draft picks back. Got it. Well, they're still hanging on to John Wall. All right, and what happened was because they're trying to tank so that they can you know their draft picks can be more worth it, which obviously turned into Jalen Green last year, who was actually really good. Jalen Green has been a really good player so far. And then um, 
Javari Smith from this year got drafted, right? So they have a, a young core that's starting there, and I think that was kind of the 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 you know the the where they were trying to go with this. But the problem is, they still had stupid John Wall's contract. We're paying forty million bucks a year. Now here's the thing: they kind of did it themselves because at the end of the day, they essentially told him to not play, and they were still going to pay him the money. So he's kind of made out really well in these past couple of years, where he really hasn't played basketball but still gotten paid like an NBA superstar has. Now. He moved to the Clippers. I think that's a good move for the Clippers, who are going to get Kawhi back this year, right? Who, you know, Kawhi is doing a normal Kawhi thing, just not playing for an entire season, watching the people, you know, on his team go out there and absolutely get their butts kicked. He's like, all right, yeah, I guess I'll play. I'll play next year. All right, cool. And then you have Paul George, playoff P, who who knows what you get, you know, when, when he's out there on the floor. But you add John Wall, you kind of have a, you know, Terrence Mann, who's been really great over the past, you know, kind of latter part of last season he really came he, he came alive and really showed his stuff too so you have a lot of good you know a, a good core here you add John Wall not too bad right but the thing is the Clippers did the smart thing signed him for like a one year you know seven eight million dollar contract because obviously his value as an asset has fallen since this whole you know injury Rockets not playing him thing um, but then the Rockets are still going to be paying him because they still have him on the contract so kind of weird situation with John Wall there but I I so I kind of want to mention it, but I also think that it could be a pretty good result. If John Wall is, you know, anything close to what he was when he was in Washington, like this could be really good for the Clippers who, you know, kind of had a lot of momentum, especially when Kawhi first got traded there. And, but then, you know, with him getting hurt and Paul George getting hurt and also just being bad um, at some points, they've kind of haven't really reached that potential that they wanted to. So I like the trade overall. Um, that's kind of all the, uh, that's kind of all the, the, the major trades, I think, that, that happened that we were going to kind of go over here. Everything else is pretty much just players resigning, right? So you had Zach Levine resign in Chicago, uh, Russell Westbrook. Well, he resigned him at, in, at, you know, in Los Angeles to play again for the Lakers, but there's been talks that he might be part of the whole Nets deal and he might move or whatever. Who knows uh, with that? Um, you also had um, – well, Bradley Beal, speaking of the Washington Wizards, he resigned and got a max deal. And Zion Williamson also resigned, got a max deal. Interesting. Some people are saying, why are you paying this guy who really hasn't played that much? Because this is what we thought when you know when you came into the pros, you're not going to play at all. He hasn't really played at all because he's been hurt. Well, yeah, but he arguably had one of the best second year seasons in in recent memory, right? I mean, he he was a beast. Like you didn't hear about it because he was playing for the Pelicans, and so nobody really hears about it. But you add you know Zion to that team that almost upset the Suns in the first round of the playoffs this year you might you might have something there so I think that was good to them uh for them to sign Zion but everybody else that pretty much those are pretty much the big headliner trades and obviously as Hayden said we'll kind of you know have have more on the NBA as as more stuff happens especially as it relates to the Nets but now we're gonna move into college football because USC and UCLA really shook everything up over the weekend. They announced that they are going to move from the Pac-12 conference to the Big Ten conference. Um, and that'll take effect in 2024. So we still got basically two years until that kind of happens officially. But it's still, you know, not too far away. Um, and so with this coming after the Oklahoma and Texas, obviously Oklahoma and Texas are moving from the Big 12 to the SEC. And that takes effect next year. Kind of the question that, that we're going to try to answer here, and there's there's a lot to cover here, so we're kind of going to go on about this for, for a little while because I'm sure that we each have have stuff to say about how this can really, you know, or, or I guess, you know, kind of the question then becomes, like, what does this say about the landscape of college football right now, and then what do we think the future of the sport will look like, Hayden? Okay, I'm going to start with this. So, essentially, what a lot of people think is going to happen by probably, like, 2026, 2020, I mean, 2030 range – area that area of time like the latter part of the 2020s which is crazy to say that that's coming up on us right you know pretty soon but by the time that time hits there's basically just going to be the big 10 and the sec which are going to have about 20 teams each and then the other conferences i don't even really know what's going to happen to the other conferences i mean there's you're still probably going to have the acc and you're probably going to have the big 12 well the big 12 not really because that whole thing like that the big 12 was essentially going to dissolve and then every team from the big 12 is going to either move up in the ranks and go to a better conference or they're going to go to kind of one of the one of the lower uh group of five conferences which aren't as good so that's how it's going to so essentially the big 10 and the sec are going to take over college football which they kind of have recently and that's the whole reason for these teams moving from their respective conferences to the Big Ten or the SEC. 
because they do attract the most revenue and the most viewership and everything like that. You know, they have the biggest booster programs at their schools and everything like that. So that's that's the whole appeal for moving to the SEC or the Big Ten. And I'm not I'm not really surprised that USC and UCLA have announced this. I will say that I I think that if Lincoln Riley didn't go to USC and that they basically if they didn't have one of the most notable programs in the country right now because of Lincoln Riley moving there and because you know they they they've gotten such a good recruiting class because of that. I think if they didn't have that happen, they probably this probably wouldn't be happening. This probably wouldn't really be news. I don't cuz USC hasn't really been good recently. They haven't ever since like Reggie Bush went there. They haven't really been that good. And so UCLA is kind of the same story. I I think they've been a little bit better than USC in general over the past 10 years ish, but but USC hasn't really been on the map recently and I think that Lincoln Riley that whole situation basically caused this to happen, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, and I think that UCLA kind of just followed suit because, well, they're both California teams and teams that, that have been in the Pac-12, a struggling Pac-12 conference that want to kind of have more competition um, and, and obviously have more money come into their program, which is great for everybody. But yeah, I, I do think that the whole reason for this happening, and I think that Matt will kind of talk more about the implication of this in the future, but I think the whole reason for this happening, and we can all agree on this, is that it's money. And it, it's 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 sad to say, but this is how things are going to pan out, especially with NIL and new NCAA rules and all that jargon. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to, don't be surprised if you see more of this happen because it's going to happen. Like, just let me, let me tell you right now, it's going to happen. We're going to see more and more teams move from conferences like the Pac-12, the Big 12, into the the Big Ten and the SEC. The only conference that has that we've seen stay put so far is the ACC, and that's a little bit weird because we saw the ACC take such a fall last football season. They had the worst conference by far in in football, and so you know we'll we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. But it yeah, it's weird because like Clemson. They would they would definitely be a team that you would expect to move to the SEC or something like that, but they fell off major after after Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and all those guys left, and now they're left with a program that isn't really the Clemson that we used to know. So I think, right, don't be surprised if we see more of this. It's it's kind of I think this is kind of just the first of many if if we're if we're being honest with ourselves. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, a lot of what you said was true. I think right the 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 motive, the true motive for this huge landscape move is is because the programs are bigger, right? So USC and UCLA are the biggest name brand programs in the Pac-12. They're both located in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California. You got famous people. You got money. You got a lot of students there. You got a big endowment. You got a lot of money, right? That's that's all it comes down to, and that's exactly what Hayden said to begin with, and so. Now you say, all right, well, what do we do with this with this football program who, you know, it, it belongs to this really rich university that has a lot of money and, and a lot of recruiting power. Well, if you're stuck in the Pac-12 with a bunch of teams that don't really have that same caliber of money, of recruiting power, everything I just mentioned, you're going to be overshadowed by the competition. And the competition is the SEC and the Big Ten. And that's because just the way that, I guess, whether they're the way they're located, the way that, you know, the the way they care about football and recruiting and the transfer portal and everything and, you know, paying the the coaches and everything that's been going on to this, like they've gotten the most respect. You also have the best, just, you know, overall the, the teams that have been identified as the best over the past, you know, five, 10 years, ever since essentially ever since the college football playoff has come into existence, right? Ohio state's like barely ever missed one of them. Right. And obviously you have Alabama and Georgia who've been to a lot and Notre Dame is kind of its own thing because they're an independent, but like, You've had one Pac-12 team make the college football playoff in the entire existence of it, and it was Washington, I think, in the first year of it, right? They were like the four seed. They played in Alabama. It was 2014, and they got they got beat like 35 to nothing. So it's like the represent – well, actually, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Oregon, I think – Oregon made it the first year, 
and they lost in the championship actually to Ohio State. I think Washington made it the next year or something. Oregon might have made it. I don't even think Oregon made it again, which is crazy because it's been like almost 10 years now. But so clearly you see, whereas, right, you have Ohio State making it all the time. We had Michigan make it last year, right? So you have Big Ten teams representing the, you know, the, the, the conference in the college football playoff. You haven't seen that from really any other conferences consistently uh, or as consistently as you have seen the SEC and the Big Ten. So these are clearly the conferences that have the most pull and the most competition and and just the best overall prestige in all of college football and all of America. And so what you end up with is, especially in this age where, you know, the TV deals are just insane and the schools are are paying so much to these coaches. And on top of that, the big, the big thing right now, obviously is NIL name, image, and likeness where you can pay the players. Essentially, you're not supposed to play the universities aren't supposed to pay the players and you're not supposed to pay them for non-business related activities. But again, this has been going on for 60 years at this point. So of course they're still being, you know, under the table deals, deals are being done and it's essentially legal now because who, uh, you know, there's, nobody checking up on these guys who are paying these players so that's a whole different discussion but because of that you're gonna have some teams that are more able to pay for the best players and and so you know with that said the team the, you know the teams and the schools and whatever with the most money are going to be able to get the best players and then ultimately win the college football championships and as I mentioned pre- at the beginning of this right you have USC and UCLA who are the the most rich teams in all of the West, right? All the Pac-12. They have the biggest fan base. They have the biggest alumni. They have the most money. And so if you're able to, you know, recruit a lot better, then you're going to be wanting to play the teams that are a lot better. And that that being, you know, the teams in the Big Ten and the SEC, because you're going to have to compete if you want to win the, you know, the, um, the, the college football championship. I mean, just think about it, right? If Ohio State and UCLA both go 12-0 and this year, right? Probably not going to happen, but let's say they both do. They'll both make the college football playoff because they're both 12-0, and and, and it's very hard to go undefeated in college football, whatever, right? But let's say they both go 10-2, and okay? Ohio State's probably still going to make it because Ohio State has played Michigan. They've played Michigan State. They've played Penn State. They've played all these great Big Ten teams that are very successful and, and, you know, it's great competition. They have an argument to be in just because of the power rankings of these other teams, whereas USC goes 10-2. and They're looking at barely a bowl game, well, a pretty good bowl game, but not even close to the, to the uh, you know, to the college football playoff. And that's because their regular, regular season consisted of teams like Arizona State and Oregon State and Washington and teams that aren't you don't even really know about and you don't even know whether their teams are good or not because you don't hear about them much because they you know they don't recruit as well they don't get as much airtime on TV and they don't have as much money they don't have as much influence as the teams in the middle of the con- or the middle of the country really in the south and the north do so that's kind of where this all is stemming from and and, and what's end up you know what's kind of ending up happening here and, and Hayden really outlined it well is that you're going to essentially have I think it's going to go one, one of two ways it's going to be the top 30 or 40 teams teams that can realistically that have a big enough base of you know money and 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 recruiting power um that could potentially you know be in if they went you know undefeated in a season could win the win the college football playoff right could win the championship you're going to have a big essentially a big group of those teams now i don't know whether it's going to be broken up into two two different conferences that's kind of what it is right now but again we haven't gotten to the point where the college football playoff has expanded too right so that's the other thing you have to kind of think about with this argument as well is hey if you know in because i think in 2025 that's when the college football playoff like the like the current format ends and so they're going to have to like change it up and and I'm assuming, and everybody else is too, they're going to expand the amount of teams that get in from four to, you know, 12 or 16 or whatever it may be. Um, and, and and when that's the case, like you have a better chance to get in, but you have to, again, you still have to be playing the best competition in football. So I think it's going to be one of two things. I think it's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten that basically just have, each of them have 20 teams in there and they're the best two conferences and the best teams overall. And those are kind of where you're going to have your champions come from most of the time. And then you're kind of just going to have everybody else who's in maybe a couple more conferences, but it's not going to be like 10 conferences like it is right now. It's probably going to be less, right? Because a lot of these other conferences are going to lose teams and they're going to have to make up that, you know, on the back end. And you're probably going to have some conferences even, you know, kind of just, kind of just wash away. Right. Um, Or the other option is you're going to have one, essentially one, extremely large major conference with all of the best teams now when i say that what does that make you think of let me say it again 
one big major conference with all of the best teams in it. That sounds to me like a league. That sounds to me like what a pro sports league is. That sounds to me like the NFL and the NBA and all of this other professional sports that go on. And so that's really what this is turning into, guys. This is a this is essentially becoming a professional sports league because we've already seen it with the amount of money these coaches are making and especially now the amount of money that the players are making there isn't guidelines that the NCAA can just enact that makes this you know possible for for the teams to just kind of come under the rule of because the other thing is the conferences can act by themselves too so they can allot how much money they want to, to each of these schools or to each of these winners or however it may go and so as a result of this, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. It may take a while. And again, we may see, you know, the college football playoff is going to expand. There's going to be more teams, whatever. But there's a lot left to go in this. And, and I, I think Hayden, you know, said that too, is like there's there's going to be more things that happen. This is not the this is not the end of it. And I think at the end of the day, just with the way that there's there's so much more freedom, whether it be the transfer portal or the NIL deals or, or you know coaches just moving from job to job, um, and and the way that 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 you know football is, is being treated as an entertainment value and, and the the amount of money that it brings to a, not only the sports teams but also the sports leagues, the conferences that already make so much money from these TV deals. There's so much going on here, and there's so much money behind the scenes, and so many people are paying so much attention to it that it like. It basically is just becoming its own league, its own professional, mini professional sports league. So that's going to be the most interesting thing here in in, in all of this. And again, this is probably, you know, year, years down the road, because right now we're kind of only seeing four of the biggest teams move to, you know, one of these more popular conferences. Um, and so, yes, there will be more to follow, but but probably not in the, in the absolute near future. But I think that is really where we're going, because you have so much unregulated stuff that's just going on within college, you know, collegiate athletics at this point. And, and as you know, me and Hayden are, we promise we'll get this NCAA doomsday series out to you soon. But, and that's going to be our, essentially our argument as to, Hey, the NCAA is just not going to exist anymore. Right. It's, it's going to take a few years again. This is going to be all in the future, but it's, it's all going to change. There's going to be, you know, it's, it's just going to be a, a paradigm shift in, in the landscape of college sports and, and especially college football because of how big it is and, and everything that's gone on so far. So I hope that does a, a little bit of a good job kind of explaining the behind the scenes, then what's going on now, and then what kind of the future can be or, you know, most likely will be with this whole college football thing. And, and I don't really oppose I, – I I think – and here's kind of where people are, are all, you know, up in arms about it, right, is your classic college football fans are saying, no, this is wrong because college football is a game of rivalries. And now just because of the, just because of the nature of how connected the world is with social media and, and TV and everything – you end up in a situation where the rivalries don't matter as much because you're not like going to the games and, and getting into it with the other, you know, the opposing fans or yelling at the other players because that's like your thing that you want to do. And so a lot of your classic college football fans are saying this is this is trashing, you know, this is completely blowing up the sport and 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 we're taking away the entire meaning of the sport because the true meaning is just to have, you know, pride for your team for your college for your your university and and taking that somewhere else and really you know being able to show them on their field and you know rooting for your team go team okay cool but that's not the way the world works anymore right this it's evolved we're all we're past that because of social media because of tv rights because the entertainment product that college football has become there's really no room for rivalries anymore. Why don't we just have the best teams play each other, right? And I think that's what the argument is here now, and that's what college football and really college athletics as a whole I think it's going to become. And it's super interesting. It's crazy, right? And it's going to, it's obviously years away, but I think that kind of just understanding all of it and what's, and what's been happening and how, where it's going to go, um, it's super important. It's really interesting, and I think you know there, there's only craziness to follow. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and the other thing to think about is, is the whole – location-based conference thing is, is totally pretty much gotten to crap by by this point because you got the SEC, which isn't really the SEC anymore. It's going to be, you know, you got Oklahoma, which is not Southeast, and you've got uh, what's the, Texas, which is also not Southeastern Conference. And so the other thing to think about is, like, you know, the Big Ten and the, and the Big 12 aren't really location-based, but most of the Big Ten teams are kind of Midwest-ish area Big 12 teams are kind of that Texas, it's like Midwest, but not really like that 
Mississippi line. It's a little bit west of the Mississippi, but that's kind of where that Big 12 area is. It's kind of like south, southern, midwest area. Um, but you're not going to have you're not going to have location based conferences anymore, and that's kind of what Matt was part of what Matt was getting at with the whole location based rivalry thing. Is like teams aren't going to have these rivalries, but it's I mean they're kind of doing it to themselves because you know they're they're moving to conferences where they're not even really close to other teams that are already in that conference, right? And these conference and, and again like college football has changed so much to the point where if you think about it, these conferences have been a thing because of the NCAA for so long. So it's one of those things where like, you know, change is going to happen at some point and people getting mad about it. It's like, eh, you know, you gotta, you gotta face the facts and, and say, okay, well, SEC football has been around for ages, right? It's like, come on, dude. I mean, you, all these old heads have to have to stop, you know, reminiscing on the old days and, and, and face the, face the facts of the new days. Now, all right, that, that, that's enough of that. Let's move into our fun segment. So, the time has come. The time of the year we've all been dreading where the only sport happening is baseball. What are we going to do here? Well, we're going to give a little, uh, each give a couple scenarios of what only having baseball on TV to watch is like. This time of year of about, I don't know, a month and a half is... It's a very sad time, especially for me, because I don't. I mean, I don't watch baseball worth a lick. I watch probably. I, I mean, if I'm if if I'm lucky, I'll watch two games of the World Series. So that's that's where I'm at with baseball. Matt follows it a little bit more than me, but I just I I can't do it, and I don't I don't follow it for that reason. Because if I'm not gonna watch it, I'm not gonna try to follow it. That's just that's that's how I am. So we're gonna each give a few scenarios, and it's kind of like a little you know. It's not really a scenario. So this is how it's going to go. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, what's, what's the sentence we had? It's going to be having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like blank. And you give a little bit, you know, a little like situation um, and compare only having baseball on TV to watch to that. So I'm going to let Matt, do you have yours ready to go? Okay, I'm going to go first and he's telling me to go first. So. Having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like getting a pair of socks for Christmas. That's going to be my first one. Matt, go ahead. All right. My first one is is a good one. Having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like any other normal golf fan not having anything to watch on TV except for golf. (laughs) Because everybody hates watching golf. I mean, except for like us because we're big fans of golf. But like everybody literally says like, if if you're in any place, then people who like don't really follow golf or whatever are like, oh my god, how can you be watching golf? Like it's such an old man's thing to do, and like all this stuff. And so that's why I'm comparing it to because I am a golf fan. I realize how people feel about watching golf, and if you're not into it, again, I I am a huge fan, but I'm like I totally get you, dude. If you don't like watching golf, it is very boring. If you don't understand what's going on, it is horrible, right? So. That's my thing is, is, you know, having nothing to watch on TV except for baseball is the same as having nothing to watch on TV except for golf. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. For those non-golf fans out there. Um, but moving on to my second one, having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like going on an underwhelming drop on a roller coaster. And let me tell you, if you've ever been on, well, some people don't like roller coasters, but Matt and I are, are huge roller coaster guys. We used to go to amusement parks all the time when we were little. And so... This is something that I've experienced quite a bit, and if if you've never been to an amusement park, it's it, it's the worst because it's like it's actually something that I worry about when I go to an amusement park that I've never been to before. It's like if I don't know the roller coasters and I don't know what's actually a drop and what's not and what's actually screamable or like worth screaming and what's not, I don't. I'm I'm almost worried of whether I should scream or not because if you scream and nobody else does, which I've done before, if you like scream or yell or something like that and nobody else does because it's not an actual, you know, it's it's not like a exhilarating drop, then you feel really stupid, and that's how I feel watching baseball is I feel really stupid and lonely. So there you go. All right, my next one is going to be specific to. The recent changes, as we've outlined in a podcast prior to this, how kind of the scoring has gone down, the entertainment value is getting worse, even though, even despite everybody knowing that baseball kind of sucks anyway. 
My next one is get that is going to be that watching have or having nothing to watch on TV except for baseball is like watching a children's movie with a child over and over and over again and getting no much more excitement out of it as compared to them. Now, let me explain this one a little bit further because as we know, all kids love the kids movies, right? And I love kids movies too. They're great. But the thing is, the kids' movies, when the kids watch the kids' movies, they watch them literally nonstop, and they don't care that they know exactly what's coming up next because they just love watching it so much. And that's what's, that's what's, having, that's what's like having nothing to watch on TV except for baseballs because you know what's going to happen, but it's just not that great the next time you see it. And then by the eighth time you see it, it's not, it's not even as great as the fourth time you saw it. So it's just completely underwhelming, and it only gets worse as we go. All right, my third one here is having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like looking in your drawer in the morning and realizing you have no more clean underwear left. That's one of the worst feelings. I think this is kind of, this is like that feeling of despair. It's like, it's it's, it's almost kind of the same thing. It's like, well, you know, when you've got all this underwear in your drawer, you just did laundry, it's, you're, you're, I don't know, your senses are plentiful. You're feeling great because, and you go through your day knowing, okay, well, the next day I have another pair of underwear to wear. It's great, you know, you don't have to worry about doing laundry. But then that day where you wake up and you have no clean underwear left in your drawer, it's like, dang it, I either got to pick one from the wash or I got to go wash my clothes real quick without any underwear on, which is even more of a letdown. And yeah, and then you're kind of left feeling really bad about yourself about yourself for the rest of the day so that's what i'm going to compare it to um it's kind of like baseball i mean because yeah if, if i turn on the tv and i turn on baseball i'm left in despair that's that's what it is okay here's my next one having nothing but baseball to watch on tv is like turning on your gaming console and realizing that your controllers don't have any charge because and this is specific because otherwise i could have said oh it's like your phone running out of battery or your laptop dying but with those you can just easily kind of reach into a charger and you can still use it while it's charging but with the video game system it's the worst because the batteries have to be charged in order for you to use it so it's like even more of a letdown because at that point all you can do is just sit there and be bored and do nothing until whenever it is that your controller is ready to be charged. And that's exactly what I feel like is watching baseball. It's like you turn it on and you just have to sit there because the, there's nothing else to do. The fun really never begins. And so you're kind of just waiting there in purgatory. All right. My fourth one here. I don't know if Matt has more than three. We were kind of talking about this beforehand and whatever. I came up with five, so I'm going to get my five here or my other two here. But Having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like having to poop in a public bathroom full of other people. Now, let me tell you, I've, I've experienced this recently, okay? So, I've, it's kind of like recency bias, my, uh, my, my picks here, my sentences here. But, yeah, I was actually at a UVA football game in the fall, and I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And so, I went, and there were a lot of other people in there. Like, if you've ever been to a sporting event... And you go to the bathrooms. I don't. I don't know if it's just UVA football games, but there's almost always a line, and so you're waiting in a line to go to the bathroom. So that makes it even, even worse. And then when you get in there, you know it's going to be full. And so if you got to go number two, it's even worse because it sucks having to go number two in a public bathroom full of other people because you don't want to make any noise because people think you're weird, and then you don't want to make a funny stench either because then people really think you're weird. And yeah, that's, uh, that's what happened to me <laughs> this, this past season. Um, somebody actually commented on it. So like, I think that in terms of the feeling, it's not so much despair when somebody comments on how much the bathroom stinks when you're inside of it and you're the only person in the stall. <laughs> that's not so much a feeling of despair. It's more of a, just like, this sucks really bad, and that's how I feel about baseball. So, there you go. well, you better keep the microphone in your hand, Hayden, because that I can't top that, and I'm not even going to try to. So, give on your fifth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, here's my fifth one. So, having nothing but baseball to watch on TV is like hearing your high school football coach saying, "Everyone, get on the line randomly during practice." This is like this is such. I, I feel like this is really accurate. If you've ever played sport, I, I guess it's every sport really. You know, basketball, baseball players don't condition don't give me that I, I don't know I've I've always had this like this stigma around baseball players about how their practices are so easy at least the ones at my high school were like my friends who played baseball at my high school never really had to condition 
if you know if they did once maybe every season it's like dude come on but uh but yeah I can speak for football players it sucks having to hear those words everyone get on the line because somebody messed up during practice or whatever the case may have been but that that's a that is a very bad feeling when you have to get on the line and you know that you're in for uh, a couple suicides or a couple uh, a couple gassers across the field that just always especially like in football pads and you know having to bear crawl and all that like I, th- I think that football conditioning is just the worst out of any sport but yeah maybe I'm biased but yeah that's that's gonna be my fifth one I don't think that I yeah like I said I don't think anything can really top my fourth one even though my fourth one was probably the least had the least to do with the actual feeling of despair of of seeing only baseball on TV but I think in terms of the the amusement aspect number four is pretty good but yeah that about wraps it up for this episode. We were actually going to talk about, I, I mentioned at the beginning, we were going to talk about the Live Tour and how it compares to the NCAA, but we're actually not going to do that this episode because we are already kind of at our time, at our hour here that we usually do for each episode. So we're going to save that for a later date and we're going to end off the episode here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, yeah, we are so excited to be back and finally hopefully be on track for this month of July. Again, it, it was it was a weird month of, of June. We missed basically the latter half of June and um, but we still did pretty well in terms of downloads for June. So that's a that's a huge improvement there. We almost we missed two weeks and two two whole weeks of June and we're still, you know, pretty much steadily increasing our downloads per month. Um, so that was that was really cool to see there. Thank you guys for always supporting and yeah, we're going to see you probably on Friday or Saturday. Hopefully, I mean, this weekend, we don't really have anything going on, I don't think. So I think that this weekend, we should be pretty clear to have another episode come out. Again, this, you know, summertime, it's just always kind of crazy. And I didn't really expect this. I told you guys that over the, over the summer, we would be on our game and with the whole schedule thing. But it's kind of turned out to be the opposite. But it is our first summer doing this. So got to cut off some slack here, you know. That's about it for the episode. Uh, Yeah, we'll be right back with you on Saturday. And thank you guys for tuning in today. See you Saturday.